Welcome everyone to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. I'm Tim Grady. I'm here with Lou Weiss, who is the sponsor for this show through his company, All Metals and Forge Group. If you're looking for industrial forgings for machinery building or defense department work, check them out at steelforge.com. Joining us today is Tim Fiore and Anthony Nieves from the Institute for Supply Management. They are committee chairs for the Manufacturing and Services Report. We appreciate the Institute for Supply Management making them available. And gentlemen, thank you for your respective time in joining us. Great to be here, Gus. Thank you. Tim Fiore, why don't we start with you? And we're talking about the semi-annual forecast that the Institute for Supply Management puts out. If you folks want to get a copy of it, check with ismworld.org. It's a lot of great information, Tim. Thank you. Right, so twice a year, ISM's uh, business panels put out uh, a forecast. The, the one in December is pretty comprehensive. And in December, we also look back at the prior year or that year to, to see what we think happened in certain uh, parameters. And then in May, we do an up, update on that, a little bit uh, shorter of a survey. It, uh, it is expressed uh, both in the services side and the manufacturing side. And we also output percent changes, like in the case of revenue, uh, and also, we do express diffusion indexes uh, on topics such as outlook and business comparison. So you have two different measurement bases here. We'll, uh, we'll be clear about which one we're using when we mention it. And remember, on a diffusion index, anything over 50 is expanding, which is positive, and anything under 50 is contracting, which is not so positive. So you know, we had a great, uh, we had a great performance in 2021. Uh, the summary on manufacturing is that that will continue through 2022 and probably have runway all the way through 23. Uh, the reason I'm expressing that is we'll start off with the, the, the revenue side. So the manufacturing revenues for 2022 are expected to be up 6.5% from 2021. So clear growth. Uh, and, we, and we think that in 2021, the revenues expanded 14.1%. That's a huge number. Nice. Uh, you know, combination of demand expanding uh, as well as input costs growing and being passed on to the clients. So, you know, revenue looks really good. It's a good expression of demand, 6.5% for 22 and 14.1% for 21. And I think uh, before we get into the business comparison and profit side, the outlook of the panel also uh, was expressed as a diffusion index of 66.2. So that's a very strong statement that the panelists really think that 2022 is going to be a good year, uh, better than 2021. Anthony, how does your side look? Well, it's uh, definitely uh, been a stellar year for the uh, services side. If you look back to just uh, last week when we had the uh, release of the monthly report, and we have set records of uh, five months out of uh, uh, the year. And when you look at how they feel about revenues going forward, not as strong as the manufacturing side, but still uh, better than what we've seen in the past with the um, projections of in the low two percentile range. Now they're projecting twice as much as the 4.3% on the revenue side. And um, they're, they're optimistic about things going forward. Um, you know, one of the things that we've been talking about ongoing on the monthly is uh, what's been, I think, an impediment to even further growth for this sector has been the uh, what started out as transitory inflation, but has now evolved into a, a demand pull inflation. And uh, as we see uh, things upstream with capacity constraints and uh, 
what we have as far as um, uh, supply and demand issues, uh, that has really affected um, you know, what's going forward in this sector. But putting that all aside, it's still very positive. Um, the growth uh, that is being projected, and, and we'll get further into it as we go on and uh, speak further to this report, but you can see some of the numbers that have come in that are definitely higher than what we've experienced in the past semi-annual forecast uh, for, for both sectors. I, I have a, a, the obvious question. Uh, 2021 has been a better year all around uh, in spite of COVID uh, and COVID has uh, improved uh, significantly, but it's still a serious danger and still could have a impact uh, going forward on uh, manufacturing and services. Uh, do, you, do you see that in spite of uh, uh, the fact that the numbers are down, but this may still be an ongoing annual event with, the, with COVID? That's a great question, Lou, but I think uh, what we've seen is that uh, with the new variant that's come out recently, the Omicron, uh, 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 Omicron rather, it's uh, not affecting the domestic market as much as it is the global markets. And I think that has to do with um, maybe their infrastructure and density of population in certain areas, but overall it has not derailed uh, this expansionary uh, period that we're seeing here just as Delta didn't really affect uh, the growth pattern uh, for the both sectors. Um, it's definitely a concern. Uh, as you mentioned, hospitalizations were down. We're seeing that as states have opened up businesses that um, on the healthcare side, uh, yeah, they have issues, but as far as overall where we were when the pandemic first hit and how many people were on ventilators and how the capacity strain that was on the hospitals, um, you know, there's still uh, challenges there, but not uh, to the point where it's derailing uh, what we're seeing right now. Uh, just, to continue, just to continue my, my, on my point is that, uh, you know, talking about hospitalization and so on, uh, the nursing industry has lost uh, 400,000 nurses uh, this year. Um, Last Friday, they came out with the available manufacturing jobs have increased to uh, a record level of over a million. And to be exact, it's a million nine thousand. So we're, we're having more jobs available, less people to do them. So it's wonderful that the economy is growing and you have new uh, new orders going up and backlog going up. But you know, you still see that that skill gap and people retiring at the rate of uh, whatever it is now. It was 10,000 people a day. I would suspect that that was probably around three, 4,000 manufacturing uh, jobs a day. But yet we have more openings for jobs and we have no people. Well, that speaks directly uh, to what we see in the numbers here, why we're only seeing a 1% projected growth in employment for both sectors. And it's not because the jobs aren't there, it's because we don't have the labor resources. And right. when you look at healthcare, clinicians, that was an ongoing challenge before the pandemic. Correct. What the pandemic has caused is that many people that are in these hard, tedious type uh, jobs, whether it be healthcare or food service, you know, in the accommodation food services arena, 
they're shifting into other types of work or they're not working at all or they're being self-employed. Um, and that has to do with the fact that they have options now and there's wage pressure and the uh, shift has been to where the employee, the employees or the, the labor force out there is, is definitely uh, have, have the upper hand right now. And you're, you're correct about the number of people uh, becoming entrepreneurs and starting their own businesses, especially home businesses, which is easy to do and relatively inexpensive. Um, the problem with that, of course, is that 90% uh, of them will go out of business in the first year. So we'll only wind up with a net 10% gain, at least based on historic numbers. So I have better statistics than the restaurant business. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> Mr. Fiore, I want to talk to you about uh, a couple of numbers in the report and then bump it over to Anthony. Uh, the number that I have kind of watched since the days of your predecessor was capacity utilization. And he had always mentioned that above 85%, you're kind of bumping the ceiling because you have to have downtime scheduled in there to keep things running. And we're running at 88% something in manufacturing. And then we've got uh, capital expenditures, which are also booming. What's going on in those two areas, Tim? So the investment side is pretty strong for manufacturing. You know, you're right, the operating rate of 88.7 is the highest number that uh, we've had since December 16. And maybe before then, I've been, I've been watching it since December 16. That's the highest number that we've had. In May, it was 88.3. So we made gains essentially against a really high performing number then too. So <clears throat> for, for 2021, we've pretty much been running at 88 plus, uh, which says, okay, what are we gonna do about capacity? And what are we gonna do about CapEx? So our production capacity for 2021, we think we ended at 3.5% gain from 2020. In May, we thought we would gain 6.6. .6. So uh, that, that probably indicates that we've had trouble uh, refacilitizing because of long lead times, as well as you know your production capacity needs not only equipment but plants and people, and you know we haven't really had the people. Uh, the positive sign is that in 22 we're hoping to grow 6.8 percent more. So between the end of 2020 and the end of 2022, we'll have grown our grown our production capacity better than 10 percent. And on the capex side, in May we thought we would spend about 8.7 percent additional capital in 21 compared to 2020. And then we think in December here, we actually hit 12.1% for 2021. And we think we're gonna spend another 7.7% in 2022. So all good, strong signs of investment, not only in, in plant equipment, but people, which should lead to productivity gains in 2022, because we need an offset the price side and the wage side. Right. Well, when you look at um, the services sector and coming in at that, uh, percentage of uh, 89.4. Uh, you know, in the past, we've seen an operating rate in a very similar territory. Um, if you look back in the past years, um, and you know, they our, our respondents have told us that they've been doing more with less. Um, they've had um, you know additional personnel, additional shifts. You know, it's the same uh, points that come in uh, year over year. Uh, what we're seeing now is that with the capacity where it is, uh, the capacity constraints, that you know the output is definitely down a little bit. However, um, uh, year over year, the numbers are up. The spending is up. We can see that with consumers. 
that year over year that it's higher. And it has to do with the stimulus money, which has impacted GDP. Um, and when, uh, you know, Tim mentioned about uh, capital reinvestment and capital expenditures, and you look at where we are with the um, services sector, you know, getting into double digit on the, on the projection for that, uh, you know, we're looking at capital expenditures uh, increasing in 15.3% in 2021, and then going up 10.3% uh, is the prediction for 2022. In services, and we see this in many uh, businesses as um, in the past, when you see recessionary periods of time, they look to do capital reinvestment to kind of better their product and service offering. And we're seeing this now because it's also not only that, it's a combination of the stimulus money and the fact that we have the consumer spending up. Uh, so yes, we've had business fatalities, but those that are uh, thriving right now uh, with this increased uh, uh, volume, uh, they're reinvesting it, which is a good thing. So overall, um, you know, I, I see this as, uh, you know, I hate to put it this way because there's such um, uh, negativity and, and all the downside of having a pandemic, but certainly don't let this period of time go to waste. And that's what companies are doing, taking advantage of the situation right now. Yeah, I think that makes a great deal of sense. Uh, pricing pressure is still going to be an issue throughout 2022. Is that right, Tim? Yeah, that's for sure. So, um, you know, the, the, the PMI price index is a good indicator of the ability of all levels of the supply chain to pass price increases through because our panel consists of all levels of the supply chain. So we've been running at very high levels on the PMI. Um, and I think we had 68% of our respondents last month report higher prices paid compared to October, uh, down slightly from 72 or 73% in October compared to September. So prices are definitely still an issue. Um, in May, we predicted that the prices at the end of 2021 would be about 8.1% higher than the end of 2020. Uh, we, we now think that they're actually 18.5% higher. That's a huge number. Probably never reported, ever, ever predicted or reported, 14.5% price increase. And we believe that there'll be another 8.1% by the end of 2022. Now, the interesting thing there is that uh, by May of 2022, we think prices will have grown 8.2%. So you're actually seeing a softening here, or a stabilizing in the second half of the year. And I think that is pretty consistent with some of our business comparison activity too that we can talk about later. But you know, prices are definitely still a headwind. Uh, so far, companies have been generally successful in passing them on. We'll, we'll talk a bit about profit margin expansion to end of this year versus beginning of next year. On the uh, labor and benefits side, uh, December 2020, December 2020, we figured we would see a 2.7% wage growth, uh, wage and, and uh, benefit growth in 2021. Now we don't look back to, to state what we think actually happened, but we do believe in 2022, we're gonna see a 4.7% wage and benefit growth, which is almost a 100% growth. So that's a bit alarming and, and not too far off of what you're seeing on CPIs and, and things like that. Anthony, uh, with all of the pricing pressures in manufacturing, a lot of that which flows through to your sectors in retail, uh, it still seems like consumer confidence is strong. We're going to have a good holiday season. And so far, other than maybe gasoline and food, they're not particularly resistant to pricing pressure. Well, you know, think about this. We've been talking about that on past shows about people if they want it, they'll pay for it. Uh, they may not like it, 
we see that, as you mentioned, with fuel, for sure. Uh, we look at these price increases uh, and, the, and the pricing pressure that we've experienced. Uh, just looking at it uh, from the end of 2020 to 2021, uh, it's gone up 10.4%. Uh, I mean, that's huge. And then looking at it from, uh, you know, the end of uh, just 2021 uh, to the end of 22, they're projected 9.2%. And then from the end of uh, this year to May, 8.9% uh, of that is what they're projecting, uh, projecting for increases. And we've seen it on the basic commodities um, uh, that impact the services sector the most. Uh, in addition to fuel, uh, and anything that's related to petroleum-based products, many of the uh, polypropylene, we see it just as you do on the manufacturing side in metals, right? Uh, we're seeing that with steel, stainless, aluminum, copper, um, also uh, back to the uh, uh, petroleum-based products. We see that with PVC every single month. Those products are coming in as uh, commodities up in price. And uh, then there's always those that are in short supply. Uh, the biggest thing, um, as we've talked about earlier, is the labor, labor resources, and that's affecting uh, uh, prices as well. So overall, um, you know, in regardless, uh, regardless of these uh, uh, strong price points that we're seeing, forward, uh, it's still humming along. Uh, we, we, as uh, you started out with the question of will people continue to pay, the consumer confidence is up, uh, the stimulus money is uh, will I think drag, um, not drag out, but affect this services sector and uh, overall economy for, they say they're projecting about a year to a year and a half of uh, uh, how this impacts uh, uh, spending going forward. Well, that, fit, falls into the third, that falls into the 36 month cycle as we've now gone through 18 months of what we've been going through without going through it all. Uh, and we still have 18 months in this cycle. So um, drink wine while, drink wine while you can. Right. <laughs> You're on my average 36 month cycle, huh? Right. Yeah. So, we'll take so that as talk, yeah, let's talk about the business comparison. So we asked the panel, how does the first half of 2022 look against the, the last half of 2021? And we also asked them, what does the second half of 2022 look like compared to the first half? So, uh, you know, great stuff here. So the panel believes that the first half of 2022 will be better than the last half, what we're in right now, with a diffusion index of 70. And that's a really strong number. So that's like overwhelming confidence that uh, business will be better uh, in the first half of next year. In addition to that, the second half compared to the first half Diffusion index came in at 63. That's a really strong number too. So now remember that you know the break-even point second half of the first half would be 50. So we're you know we're content we're expecting continued expansion in business throughout the entire year with a slight slowing, but you know not that dramatic. 70 versus 62. That's a pretty strong uh, statement that 2022 is going to be a pretty good year for manufacturing. Well, I'm sorry. Anthony, how is uh, the business comparison on your side? Well, when you look at the services sector, um, you know, it's still uh, the outlook overall is, is good. 
but it's still, they're saying that 2022 is gonna be slightly down from uh, what we're seeing in 2021. Still some strong numbers. Uh, second half of uh, 2022 is gonna, the diffusion index came in at 76.2. Uh, if you look at it from the first half of 2022 to the, uh, to the first last half of 2021, diffusion index is 71. Uh, the outlook for the next 12 months um, predicted in uh, December of 2020 for 2021 was a 69.6% diffusion index. And we're seeing a little pullback from what they're predicting uh, now for 2022 to 63.3. But still uh, good numbers, just not as robust as what we've seen. Uh, I've been surprised every month when I've seen the data come in because um, it's been record setting five months of this past year. And I keep thinking we're going to have some leveling off or some pullback, and yet we just keep humming along. So, so you know, I think time will tell us where we'll go, but uh, I think Tim mentioned earlier on this teleconference that uh, we see this going all the way into uh, uh, 2023, uh, which fits in with that uh, business cycle you were talking about. But keep in mind, this is mitigating circumstances that we're experiencing uh, with the economic growth coming out, out of the pandemic. Um, so I'm, I'm not uh, locking myself into a, a business cycle of uh, just 36 months. I, I think we'll have to see exactly how long this will go for. Uh, to, both, to both of your points, uh, everything is uh, coming along rosy and improving, which uh, what goes down must come up, I feel, as well. And I like looking at things optimistically. That said, uh, there are always seemingly shocks that uh, create themselves into a headwind. Uh, and uh, in, inflation is one of them, even though it's for a different reason. Um, uh, pricing is uh, a major issue, but you're right. Everybody seems to be okay with paying it. Um, but there are other international issues that could have uh, uh, some headwind effect. Uh, what's going on, for example, in uh, China with regards to um, Evergrande Group, who owes 300 billion to 400 banks globally? Uh, could this turn into a headwind? Well, I mean, I, I think they don't have a real large amount of dollar denominated bonds. I mean, and I think there's an explanation there as, as demonstrated by a 50 PMI running in China for the last 16 months. Yeah. You know, and I don't think that there's a lot of imports going in there supporting the construction business, but I could be wrong on this. But I think that the single biggest headwind that we have is really the, the, uh, the interest rates. It's, it's not even so much inflation. Longer term, the inflation and the cycle of wage growth and inflation and wage growth as Tony mentioned earlier, you know, the, the, the lower to mid-range wage earners are the ones getting squeezed here with food prices up and fuel right. prices up and you know, basic stuff that's up. The moderate to higher wage earners are not really, they're, they're paying the price. But when the, when the Fed, and obviously a lot of pressure on the Fed now to accelerate the, uh, you know, the bond buying or stop buying the bonds and increase the interest rates. That would be the first shock. Last time that happened was I think three or four years ago. And uh, we, we didn't go into a free fall, but there was a big alarming statement. And, and usually the alarming statement shows up on Wall Street, right? Because there's all kinds of leverage going on there and right. indicates profitability on companies might be limited in the future. 
you know, on, on the profit margin side, we, we asked the panelists about profit margins for the current half, so half to 2021. And we asked them what they think profits will look like in the first half of 2022. And you know, surprisingly, but maybe not surprisingly, for the last three Decembers, we've always said that profits in this last quarter were less, last half were less than the prior half, but that profits going into the next half will be better. So, so we said that we're ending this half at a 40 diffusion index compared to the first half of the year from a profitability standpoint. That has to reflect the fact that we've been paying higher wages, special bonuses, retentions, as well as experiencing the, the dramatic growth in commodities in the second half of the year. But we also think that uh, the first half of 2022 will have a profit expansion at a 56 level generally. So that's, that's pretty positive. Not as strong as going into 2020, where the number was a little bit better for the first half of the following year, but still strong nonetheless. I mean, where, where things start to get kind of squeezed is when you can't pass those price increases on. And, and right now, there doesn't seem to be anybody who's not, not able to take the price increase. Everyone just looking to move on. Yeah. irrespective of the price. Yeah, yeah. So remember 68% of the panelists in the November PMI said that they paid higher prices. Yeah. I do want to overlook uh, two areas that are always important in this report. Uh, one is the special questions, Tim and Anthony, that you asked your uh, respondents, but so far of the material that we have covered, uh, what are your respondents uh, saying in this area that might be um, a concern for them, even in the face of a very good economy. Uh, Anthony? Well, we've been talking about it uh, throughout the call, um, and it has to do with uh, hiring workers to fill open positions, uh, the hiring difficulties. Uh, it's been an ongoing challenge. Uh, the labor resources, the pool itself uh, is, is diminished, uh, especially in certain uh, line area positions. Um, we're seeing that not only in the healthcare arena, but definitely any customer facing retail, um, accommodation and food services, just across the board. It's interesting that all 18 industries um, within the services sector all uh, month over month comment on almost the same thing as it relates to uh, hiring, recruitment, uh, backfilling positions, even those companies that uh, have experienced uh, layoffs and attrition as they try to replenish um, their labor force, that's with great difficulty. And what we're also seeing is the shift uh, from uh, now with uh, the uh, competition, people are changing jobs. So when they fill one position in one area, it's just creating a void elsewhere. And we're seeing that across the board reflected in the employment. Again, 1% with the economy as robust as it is right now with the growth pattern that we're seeing. And yet, in both sectors, we're only predict uh, our respondents are only predicting a one percent growth in that area. And this goes back to when we asked them these special questions about having uh, difficulty in hiring. Um, you know, I could read through the numbers, but they speak for themselves as it relates to um, the high percentages across the board that we're seeing uh, uh, related to the special questions. Tim, I. Uh want to take a slightly different approach on this with you. Uh, with the difficulties in hiring, capital expenditures up, uh, are you seeing the manufacturing side uh, aggressively investing in automation and robotics? Does that come up in the report at all? 
Well, you have to pull it out of the comments. It's not very clear. But if you watch the machinery sector, you could argue that as a machinery sector moves, so doesn't the investment in, in, in long life kind of equipment. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, but you know that's a long-term play, and that's that's a that's a company strategy that is probably a multi-year strategy. I don't think the, the lack of people would cause people to all of a sudden decide to automate. I think we're moving in an automated fashion anyway, and because I, I think that's just a natural evolution of things. You know, we had we had more people we had more people report difficulty hiring uh, in this survey compared to the summer of eighteen, December of nineteen, December of twenty. We didn't ask a question because it wasn't really an issue. Uh, and almost half of them had to pay higher wages. Uh, I think that's kind of a good indicator. Not a big surprise either. Uh, we also asked about supply chain problems. Uh, we asked about the cause of supply chain disruptions. And we asked about the ability to pass price increases through. So let me, let me take that last one first. We were talking about that a few minutes ago. So 64% of the manufacturing panel said that they were able to pass price increases through. 36% they were not. That gives you kind of an indication. And uh, those 36% are probably the ones that lock prices for the year and run. You know, think like the automotive guys do that. A lot of the white goods guys do that. It's not, it's not an adjustable price throughout the year, but you know, we'll see what 2022 does for them. Uh, on the side of supply chain problems, um, you know, we asked the, we asked, this is a really interesting one, ties back to the whole, you know, clogging here on the input side. You anticipate supply chain problems for the first quarter, second quarter to be better, same, or worse. So only 5% of our respondents said that the first quarter would be better than the last quarter of 2021. And 30% said that the second quarter would be better than the first quarter. So you can see it's a slow uh, climb up. And that's kind of consistent too with our ability to hire people. Uh, you know, as, as you guys have noticed, you know, we've, we've been tracking comments about how the difficulty to hire people and for the last four months, we went from 0% saying it was any easier. We're now at 7% of the comments, but it took four months to get there. That's only 7%. So it's going to be a slow climb up. Then I think the, the last special comment here question was, do you think the foreign supply sources have been more significant to your ability to flow material versus the domestic supply sources? And domestic included the transportation sector and the ports. And you know, by far, 60% of the of respondents said domestic uh, supply chain problems are at the root of their issues, not foreign supply chain issues, which I, th I thought was an interesting answer. How about on your side, Anthony? Are you are you seeing similar pain? Well, less so um, when you when it relates to services, as far as like on the uh, uh, foreign source, it's just slightly below. Uh, we're seeing foreign source. There's a. I'm sorry. Let me reverse that. Domestic source is 56%, whereas foreign source is 44% as it relates to the cause of uh, supply chain disruptions. Um, you know, I, I think what we've seen uh, ongoing, and that's in both sectors, is it not only uh, the foreign source and the domestic source, it doesn't matter when you're having challenges with the logistics, right? We've had, forget, put aside the port congestion, once you even clear the port, we're still running uh, a challenge, having a challenge with the trucking. And I've, I've seen conflicting information come out on that. Uh, whereas uh, I think the Truckers Association said there's 80,000, uh, there's a shortage of 80,000 truckers out there. And some are saying, no, that's not the case. It's uh, more about efficiency and time delays and, and all the other uh, bottlenecks uh, in the, and logistical challenges. Well, it's a combination of both. 
okay, is what we're seeing. So that is affecting uh, what the, the, the domestic source being at 56% uh, on the supply chain disruption versus 44 on the foreign. So it's, uh, to me, that's almost a 50-50 split there, right? So it's very close. Um, when we look at, uh, you know, going back uh, over the course of the past 18 months, two years, even prior to that, we were having uh, bits of bottleneck, right, with, the, with trucking and, and the ports and whatnot, but nothing what we're seeing today. And that's really uh, why the cycle time is lengthened as much as it has and why we see inventories that have been contracting for uh, the past several months uh, in both sectors. I think that uh, this comes back to something we talked about earlier and that's uh, robotics. Uh, I've seen uh, more robotics in uh, uh, supermarkets, in uh, some of these uh, service centers on the highways where they have multiple um, Philadelphia cheese, uh, uh, McDonald's, and so on, where they have servers serving you who are, who are robotic. And I think just like in the Second World War, when Japan lost basically a generation of men due to the war, uh, they're the ones that started the robotics industry because they had no workers. And to me, it sounds like we're gearing up to that at a, perhaps a slower pace, but uh, for example, about trucks, they have, they do have uh, autonomous trucks. Uh, so far that I know of, there's only one that crashed off a highway and destroyed all the contents. But <laughs> that being said, uh, there's beginning to be more and more of it. And I think automation and uh, robotics is going to play a significant role in the, um, the skill gap issue and uh, the numbers of people available. Well, you started out talking about, um, you know, the, and I won't mention the company name, but let's say kiosks, right, in the retail yes. space. Yes. And, and there's, a, you know, there's, there's two sides uh, to, to this, uh, you know, there's two positions, right? There's, there's not to get controversial, you know, like we like to stay away from politics and all that, right, Lou? Absolutely. So, <laughs> but kiosks have replaced workers because why? We have all the, you know, the increase in minimum wage, I get that. But some of these jobs were never created to support the families. They were first intended, you know, especially in the quick service restaurant business uh, to be part-time work for high school students and whatever. Unfortunately, it morphed into where uh, people coming into the country had to find jobs and they wound up trying to support families and it wasn't fitting. And the wage pressure creeped into the mix and what happened? Companies outsourced it. They go right to the automation. They went to kiosks, and uh, now those jobs are disappearing uh, for people. So, uh, not only do, do the companies uh, are they going down the path of reinventing themselves and, and injecting automation into the mix, uh, the skill set's going to have to change, and people are also going to have to evolve. Absolutely, absolutely. Tim, I want to go to another area of the report that uh, is important for our listeners and, and viewers to understand, and that's imports and exports. Uh, I wonder if you uh, can address that. Um, for the moment, I see you're on mute. So um, let's chat about what's happening with imports and exports in terms of looking forward for the next six months in this report. Thanks, Tim. So uh, 
Yep, on the import growth side, we're definitely projecting a stronger import activity in half one than we were coming into 2021. So we had a 60 diffusion index for uh, in 2020 going into 2021. We're now at 65. So there's an indication there that uh, you know product will flow better in 2022, most likely compared to how well it's flowed in 2021. We don't look back to see how it actually flowed, but we all kind of know it didn't flow very well at all. On the export uh, side, export had some strength too, coming in at uh, export growth at a 71.4 for the first half compared to where we ended the year. So that's clearly a strong statement, uh, you know, probably coming from all the major markets. And I think the, uh, the currency, we, we also report on where we think the currency strength will be. You know, we think it's gonna weaken against all major currencies except maybe the peso. Uh, and we think uh, as a composite 44.8 fusion index. So, that's a fairly decent statement that says the dollar is going to get weaker as the year goes on, except for the peso will get strong. And that's probably a function of you know, the high inflation rates and the deficit spending. Anthony, how about on your side on the services sector in terms of imports and exports? They're both expected to increase in 2022. Um, imports more prevalent for uh, the services sector than, uh, than exports. You know, exports... Uh, it's a lower percentage that we see coming out of that sector, and it's mostly in the information and uh, management of companies, support services, uh, uh, knowledge management arena. But overall, uh, what we're seeing uh, for export numbers, uh, the diffusion index for services, uh, what was predicted for 2021, 49, and now we're looking at um, uh, for uh, 2022, it's gone up a, a bit, 58.1, which is uh, which is good news. On the import side, um, you know, it's um, similar in the sense that uh, you know we'll see growth going forward as well as things start to open up, and uh, uh, especially overseas. You know, we've seen not to get off on a tangent, but in the past, uh, besides the bottleneck at the ports. Uh, we've seen factories in Asia have their issues um, with um, with the pandemic and with having closures, and that's uh, definitely affected uh, the uh, movement of uh, goods coming in uh, for these services companies. Ken, just to, for clarity for the uh, readers of this report, it's all done the same way. Is that correct? Above 50 is expanding, below 50 is contracting, and, and that export number of 71.2 is really expanding. Yeah, it's a strong number, right? Remember the diffusion index, for every positive comment, we count that as one. For every same comment, we count that as 0.5. For every contracting comment, we count that as zero. So it's the same methodology we use on a PMI. A 70 number is really good. Strong, strong report. Uh, very encouraging, certainly, for all of our uh, listeners. Lou, I know you've report, followed this report for 40-plus uh, years, uh, and your business tends to mimic what this report is doing. And in fact, some cases, your business allows you to look at this report and say, yep, consistent because it, it's leading industry. Well, I would, uh, yeah, I agree. And I've been following it. I don't remember if it was 40 years or 50 years or whatever, but it's one of those decades. And uh, yeah, we track uh, our manufacturing business really tracks uh, the manufacturing numbers. Uh, to a great degree, including, uh, uh, you know, backlog numbers, the increase in backlog orders. Jim, I wonder if you could just kind of give us a, 
summary of uh, your sector for this report, and then we'll go to Anthony as we wrap this up. Yeah, so I'm not surprised about this. Uh, I was alarmed at the 14.5% price growth uh, since, since December 2020, but okay. We figured it would be eight. You know, it, it feels like it was higher than eight. 14.5 is a really high number. I think, you know, we are demand-driven supply constrained expansion here. And uh, many of us think that what that's doing is really putting a governor on our ability to peak. You know, manufacturing is really a peaky uh, business sector. We peak high, we peak low. And that's, you know, that's death of us too. We hate it, love it and hate it. But, you know, the fact that we've been constrained from meeting our natural output is, is it may allow this whole expansion cycle to extend out further than normal, if this can be called a normal expansion cycle. So feel good about 22. Like I mentioned the other uh, day after when we released the number of PMI, I feel good about 23 too. Thanks, Tim. Anthony? Well, similarly in the uh, services sector, uh, we know that um, the companies are operating at uh, high efficiency uh, production uh, provision capacity. When you look at uh, operating rate at 89.4, even with the labor constraint, production capacity uh, increased 2.3%. Uh, they're forecasting that it'll go up a percentage point from there to 3.3%. Uh, prices increase not as strong on the manufacturing side, but still 10.4 in 2021, uh, projecting to increase 9.2% going forward for 2022. Labor and benefit costs will go up 6.1%. Uh, we've been talking ongoing about employment, um, relatively flat with only 1% projected there. Uh, we know that export imports will be growing. Revenues, up in 2021, 4.8%. We'll pull back a little bit in 2022 for 4.3%. And um, overall, our respondents, uh, when asked how they look at 2021 to 2022, 47% say that they will see a, a better year in 2022. I have one last uh, question, comment, and, and I'll stop picking on you guys. Uh, the the um, uh, the point about revenues uh, pre-pandemic. Are I, I know a lot of the numbers that you've been talking about are, are all record-setting, record-breaking numbers. Does that mean that we are at or better than pre-pandemic uh, economy? Great question. I think that what we're seeing is like the phoenix rising from the ashes here. So we have all this growth um, and, you know, the baseline moves as we measure it. But uh, to say that we are at pre-pandemic levels, uh, it's hard to gauge that. You know, we don't measure it that way right. within this report or the monthly. But uh, just from looking at where we're at and we've had, don't forget, we've had numerous business closures in the mix as well. Sure. So. Um, I think the growth is definitely there, but uh, to say that we're at that same level, uh, you know, that remains to be seen. Yeah, okay. and probably indicative of the industry that you're operating into. Like I would say that definitely in the automotive business, they're not there. <laughs> Correct. But I, but I think, you know, this number that we have, it's one of the highest numbers of, uh, of forward projections on revenue that we've ever had, it's, well, since 2016, since I've been watching it. So it's a strong... Strong projection forward, and I, you know, I think the fundamentals are all there. The same comments with uh, with Anthony were restricted on labor. 
that's a long-term issue. But, uh, and back to your point earlier, Lou, about the pandemic, you know, this is gonna be probably a three to five year thing we're living on. But I think the manufacturing sector has learned how to live with it. Um, but we do have problems that, that go on for a month or two months or three months. We have a global supply chain. People are addressing that, but again, that's a long-term fix. And unless you solve this pandemic issue across the globe, we're gonna to continue to have these kind of issues. As you can see, you, know, you see it at the ports. Sure. Yeah, I agree with everything you just said. Uh, Tim? Yes, no doubt. And we wanna thank you, Tim Fiore and Anthony Evans for joining us from the Institute for Supply Management for this incredibly important report. I encourage people to go to ismworld.org and if you are listening or watching this show, your coworkers, your associates in manufacturing and non-manufacturing ought to be listening and watching it too. I think in terms of if I'm an employee and I listen to this kind of information, I get a pretty good feeling about job security going forward. So thank you, gentlemen, for joining us. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Good holidays, everyone. Thank you. We appreciate all of our listeners joining us for Manufacturing Talk Radio, which can be found at jacketmediaco.com. Again, go to ismworld.org for all of the reports that they produce, both the semi-annual and the monthly reports. Again, thank you for listening to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.